0: Thank you so much, Joy. Friends, you have no idea how closely what Joy has said identifies with what I'll be saying. And there was no collaboration at all. I had no idea what she was going to speak about, but you will see the connection very soon. It's good to have you here this morning, meeting together in the name of the Lord Jesus. I want to ask for you to pray for our brother Wayne who uh, an ambulance was called for him this morning. He had a fall during the night. And uh, whether he's been taken to hospital or not, we don't know. But whether he has or not, he needs our prayers. And he needs to be in full-time care. He really isn't able to look after himself as he uh, needs to be looked after. So uh, I, I personally feel we should be praying that the Lord will uh, guide him to accept what has been offered in the way of full-time care Somewhere, I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 2. I won't be giving a uh, verse-by-verse exposition of this passage, but it, the, the, the gist of it is very much in line with, with what I intend to be saying to you. Paul wrote to the, to the Philippians, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thank you Lord for your word. Thank you for this passage that embraces so much of the Christian message. And we pray that as we think on these things and the things that joy has already spoken to us that we might be enlightened as to what you want our attitude to be to other people and to you and to the real meaning of Christmas. May your spirit be in charge of what I say and what we hear and how we respond to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, there is something that we have all been thinking about the last week or two, at least that long, and we'll be doing uh, very soon. Uh, It starts with a G. It's not uh, going, although some of us will be doing that. It's not getting, although some of us will be doing that, and that's related anyway. Uh, It's not... uh, um, what was the word I was going to use? Ah, uh, oh, never mind, there's another word of that, that wasn't all that good. Uh, but uh, the word is, is giving, simply giving. And now you can see why I'm saying that what I have to say was so connected with what Joy has, has said. I want to ask you what is, what, why you give. What is your reason for giving? What is the purpose in your giving? What is the motivation for your giving? And this is not a sermon on church finances, so relax. Giving is something that most of us will be doing within the next week or two. And if I were to give you a piece of paper with a question on it, why do you give, I I guess we'd get varied answers. Uh, And uh, they would depend on how well you've thought about it. And I guess there are possibly many of us who've never really thought about why really do I give? We might have to stop and think about that. And uh, if we were able to be really honest, the answers might be a little embarrassing, certainly a bit challenging. Some of us, if we were to give a quick answer to, to why do we give, we would possibly say, well, everybody gives. I don't want to be the odd one out. Everyone gives, especially at Christmas time. May I point out to you that there is an element of selfishness in that? Because if we give because we don't want to be the odd one out, then we're trying to protect protect ourselves, aren't we? We are trying to avoid being thought to be mean or being thought to be the odd one out. Uh, and... Uh, And in a sense, we would be saying that our giving is so that we might have the respect of of other people and uh, our friendships and uh, respect things that you buy by giving gifts. There may be an element of that sometimes in our giving. Or some of us, if we were being honest, would say, well, I give because it's expected of me the others are giving, I'll give to because others expect it of me or I might say if we were really honest I'm giving so that I might manipulate the person I'm giving to we do that sometimes don't we especially in business circles and, and uh, political circles this kind of thing happens, big donations made to government ministers so that a developer's uh, application will get a more favourable uh, treatment um, and uh, in, the, in the legal system sometimes a person is bribed, which is a gift or a purchase almost, uh, to, to give evidence that will be to the benefit of the person who's paying the gift and uh, that is serious but it certainly happens. And that's why the Old Testament in particular, but not only the Old Testament, the New Testament too, uh, points out the dangers of giving bribes to manipulate people. So the things that I've said don't paint a really good picture about giving, do they? Uh, And uh, it's certainly not my aim to uh, cause you to stop giving, because sometimes there are poor motivations for it. I think we need to be aware of the reasons for our giving and to guard against some of the things, some of the unworthy motives that I have suggested. But let us turn our thoughts to the more um, commendable and more um, noble reasons for giving. And uh, I have no doubt that if I asked you why you give, some of you would say, I give because I want to meet the needs of others. That would be right, wouldn't it? You would give so that you might meet the needs of other people. And when we say that giving goes on to a different level. We're we're on higher ground when we use that kind of of, uh, explanation for why we give. Many of the laws in the Old Testament uh, are laws that encourage people to give to meet the needs of others Uh, the people of God were told to respect and to care for those who were in need Uh, they were to care for the aliens in their country and for those who were traveling and uh, there was a concept of gleaning I wonder if you know what gleaning is uh, it was the idea that if a, pers- if a farmer was, was reaping in his field, harb- harvesting his field, he would not go right into the corners of the field, but they'd leave a little bit in the corner for people who were in need to come and take it. And if some of the stalks of, of grain were uh, left standing, were missed by the harvesters, they were not to go back and take those. They were to leave them there uh, for those who had need. And similarly with uh, uh, the uh, vine dressers. They were told that if they missed some bunches of grapes, they were not to go back and, and harvest them. They were to leave them there for people to come and take them. And that was called gleaming. And if you want an illustration of that, read the, read the, uh, the Book of Ruth, a lovely illustration there. So, and also the offering of hospitality was a, was a, a cultural matter. Uh, and uh, it was expected that if there was someone traveling and they were at your place towards sundown you would offer them a, a bed for the night and a bit of food to get them on their way in the morning and so that was the, the culture of the day and of the people and uh, Jesus also taught by word and by example that we should be giving to meet the needs of others and his apostles repeatedly throughout their, their, uh, their writings in the New Testament um, encouraged people to give to meet the needs of other people. Uh, in the, uh, the picture that we have of the early church, they had uh, what we could almost call a, a widow's centre uh, They The church administered uh, a widow's fund for those who were, were in need. And in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, we read these words. All the believers were together and had everything in common selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need. That was giving of a high order to meet the needs of others. It wasn't to maintain their reputation. It wasn't to gain an advantage to manipulate people. It was giving because their fellow humans had a need and they felt that they wanted to, to meet that need. Giving to meet the needs of others. Can we say that Our giving includes that motivation, giving to meet the needs of others. I was at a family gathering yesterday, about 18 of us, and a lot of the gifts had nothing to do with what people needed, but they certainly brought a lot of pleasure to some people. So, uh, and and I want here to, to compliment you and to thank you for the way you contribute through The monthly missionary offering on the fourth Sunday of each month when we have a special offering, that goes primarily to meet the needs of others through Barnabas Fund. We have the opportunity of contributing to that and I just want to thank you for the way that you have uh, done and I know what some of us uh, privately give to Barnabas Fund, Baptist World Aid and, and other charities that are meeting the needs of other people. And God bless you for that, because it is a godly and a God-honouring motivation for giving. But there's another factor in this matter of why do we give. We have said that after describing some of the, the uh, lower echelon uh, motivations for giving, when we started talking about giving to the, meet the needs of others we felt that we were on moving on to, on to higher ground and uh, I, I want to ask you is there still higher ground than giving to meet the need of others I want to suggest to you that there is how could there be well my answer is that even when giving to meet the needs of others there can be and I hesitate to say this but there can be still a tinge just a trace of selfishness in that giving because maybe we have felt guilty and we give to resolve our guilt. But I'm not going to linger on that. Uh, having become more aware of the, the negative possibilities of some of our giving uh, and, and let it be said loudly and clearly that giving to meet the needs of others is a noble motivation for for giving and a god honoring one because if we you know, if we become aware of a need and if our hearts are touched and if we decide that we will give to meet the need of some other person that is honoring god and that is in fact doing what our lord himself said was the fulfillment of what god wants of us When a Jewish religious teacher asked Jesus of all the commandments, which is the most important, Jesus replied, and you'll recognise the words of one of the songs that we sang earlier. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You'll find that in Mark 12. 28 to 31 and another expert in the Jewish law asked well okay, but but who is my neighbour and so Jesus answered by telling him the parable of the Good Samaritan about a man who was travelling from Jerusalem to Jericho and he came across a person who had been bashed and robbed there were three people who came across that person and only one of them stopped to help and he ministered to that person and, the, the, uh, and and Jesus asked his questioner who was the neighbour to that person and, and, and the, the uh, person who had asked the question said the one who reached out in mercy who had mercy on him in other words the one that met the need uh, of his fellow man and uh, the, the principle of this was and still is that our neighbour is anyone of whose need we become aware so that we might reach out to them and help to meet that need. So Jesus said, you've got it right, you go and do that. Meeting the needs of others is a God honouring and uh, a noble motivation for our giving. And I'm wondering if you have noticed that in all that I've said this morning, and I've spoken for a number of minutes, in all that I have said that there is a word that you were expecting to hear and you didn't hear it until I quoted the answer that Jesus gave. I've deliberately left out, left out this word because it's, it's the apex of what we're talking about this morning. The, I first used the word love in quoting Jesus' response. And it's, it's really what is at the centre of Christmas. Thank you, Joy, for making that very clear. And whatever else might be part of our motivation for giving, without a doubt, the highest and the purest and the best motivation for giving is love. What is giving without love? It is hollow And the Apostle Paul made that clear when he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 3, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender or give my body to the flames but have no love, I gain nothing. And so the Apostle Paul, whom I regard as the number one interpreter of the life and the meaning and the teachings of Jesus, made it very clear that that if we give everything we have But don't do it in love. It means nothing. What what is this quality that we call love? Do you have a definition of love? Some of you know that, that my wife and I were married for 64 years, almost 64 years before the Lord took her home and we devised our own definition of love on the basis of our relationship with each other and our relationship with God. And we said that love is wanting the best for the beloved and acting to bring that about. It's not just a feeling. Love is wanting the best for the person that we love and acting to bring that about. When our giving is motivated by love, we want the best for the person that we profess to love and we are willing to act to bring that about. And if if you can accept a definition like that of what love is then God will make it possible for you to love people you don't really like If you have that kind of definition of love God will make it possible for you to love people who annoy you If you have that kind of definition God will make it possible for you to love people you don't even know. Is that stretching it a bit? You don't know the people that benefit from the Barnabas Fund gifts that you give. But I believe that God has placed in your hearts a love for those needy people. Because we love them, we give to meet their need. There is a sense in which True love sanctifies our giving. It sifts out the unworthy motivations for giving about which we talked earlier. And there is one more aspect of giving that I want to place before you. And some of you probably have been thinking, now Bob's been talking for quite a few minutes and he hasn't said anything about the message of Christmas. This is the, this is the Sunday before Christmas. Why isn't he talking about Christmas? He is. I've heard people in the in recent weeks saying uh, it's all about family and getting together. It's all about holidays and getting to the beach. It's all about presents and the the surprise involved in presents, or it's all about great food and drink. And We're not condemning those things if they're done safely and wisely and in the right spirit. But the real Christmas is all about God giving in love to meet human need. That's what Christmas is really about. God loved the world so much that he gave. You've heard that verse John 3.16 quoted a number of times in recent weeks from this pulpit pulpit. God loved the world so much that he gave and he gave to meet a human need true love motivates real giving I have sometimes when conducting a, uh, a marriage ceremony quoted a little verse that says Love gives, forgives, outlives and ever stands with open hands for this is love's prerogative to give and give and give. I see it this way, the message of Christmas that that God looked down upon a broken, sick, lost world He didn't like what he saw but he loved the people in that world. And so, although he didn't like what he saw he loved them to the extent of being willing to give his very best, his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He loved so he gave to meet a need. He gave his dearest and best. Jesus referring to himself as the son of man said and we have it in Mark 10 45 the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many love is the supreme motivation for giving I guess we'll all be doing some giving in the next week or so let us be sure that what we that when we give it is the product of love let us be sure that any giving we do is motivated by love and let us respond in love and with love to those who give to us Christmas is what it really is because God loved so much that he gave friends have you received what God gave because he loved you Jesus, the Son of God, was born in the humility of a a stable, an eastern stable. He lived a life of service, meeting the needs of people. He died on the cross to offer forgiveness to all who would repent of their sins and place their faith in him as their Saviour and Lord. He rose again, thus proving himself to be the Son of God. And we will answer to him for what we have done with the gift of love that he has provided in the Christmas story and in the Easter story. His offer of salvation made in love to meet our human need demands a response from each of us. And wherever we stand in the matter of our past and present motivations for giving, please remember that the real Christmas story is God giving, a giving motivated by love for you and for me. How have you responded to his gift of love? Father, you know each of our hearts. You know what kind of response we have made to you. And as you have spoken to us through your word this morning, we pray that we might respond faithfully and appropriately to the love that you have shown in coming in the person of Jesus Christ so that you might offer salvation and restoration to yourself to each and every one of us. Lord, may there be no one leave this building today without saying yes to your offer of that marvellous unspeakable gift we ask in Jesus name Amen